Hi, I'm Matt Falk, coming at you from Ha-Di-Da Studio. Welcome to Past, Present, Future, the only podcast in the universe that dares to appease the ghosts of comedy past, comedy present, and comedy yet to come. Before we begin, hey, how about a big special hello and thank you to our listeners in Denmark. For some reason, since this podcast launched, we have been charting consistently in Denmark. So I just want to say to all our faithful listeners in Denmark, thank you. Or as they say in Denmark, thank you. Most of them speak English. My guest today is a nationally touring comedian and comedy producer. He produces one of the longest-running weekly comedy shows in the country called Comedy at the Handsome Daughter in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnipeg is also where he developed the Comedy Battle Royale, a hilarious show format for comedians that was recently filmed for TV. And just this last year, he was one of only 10 comics in the entire country to appear on the new Faces of Comedy Canada Gala at the prestigious Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. Please welcome Mike Green. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for that spectacular read of credits. I've honestly never, I've never thought credits mattered until the way you said them. I'm like, wow, if, if, <laughs> if everybody said them that way, then I would, then I would care what people said before I came on. That was great. I think it's because as a comic, there's nothing you hate more than when before you're about to be brought on stage, someone reads your credits <laughs> as like this droning. They've never, they've yeah. never even looked at this bio before. They're stumbling yeah. over the words and oh, it's yeah. So it's not that they've never read the bio before; it's that they seem unfamiliar with the concept of generating excitement. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like they're trying to bring everything in. So we got Mike, and he's done these things, and here's Mike, and that's why I started just telling people like, just tell them. Tell him, tell him I killed a bunch of homeless guys. I don't care what you say. It's not going to help, you know. <laughs> I had I had one guy. He drove me to the gig from uh, from my hotel. And uh, for the intro, he basically just shared stuff that I told him in the car. <laughs> he was like, the, Matt Falk's coming to the stage. He's a nice guy. He's got a good relationship with his family. Uh, the, and I'm like, are you serious right now? Anyway, but it was uh, it made for an interesting show. Hey, before we uh, launch into the old format here, Mikey, um, I wanted to tell people kind of how I know you. Obviously, we're both from, from Winnipeg, so I know you from the comedy scene in general. But one of the things I wanted to point out was uh, in July of 2021, when things were still pretty shut down, you ran this show called, uh, it was the Top secret comedy show i forget the exact name of it but it was something it was called it a secret stand-up i think i don't even remember it was yeah Yeah. and basically what it was is you did everything legally it was held outdoors in this incredible little venue uh, or little outdoor space that you needed uh, nobody knew where it was so you needed to buy the tickets and then you'd get directions to it anyway so it was cool on its own but i was just starting to develop my brand new hour and you knew that and you said come on down Come down, we'll do two shows. You can do as much time as you want and just work out your stuff. And there's not a lot of people that would just do that so willingly, especially when you know, like, I'm just, I'm just working this stuff out and be so excited about trying to help the process. But like a year later, we recorded that special at uh, also in Winnipeg at the basement in Winnipeg. And uh, it, it was all kind of started at your show. So thank you for being so generous. No problem. Honestly, I didn't realize that what you did in the basement was the same stuff as uh the forest i I think i was actually away that weekend i I, I said you should use the forest 
But um, I didn't realize that that was sort of the the, the year long culmination uh, paying off in the basement. So that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, it was that was the beginning. Do, so do you do you write like that too? Do you go like do you start from scratch, or are you always kind of building on things, or how do you kind of develop uh, your new act once you realize okay, I want to write some new stuff here? I, I feel like I'm always just doing it in little tiny chunks and yeah. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I, I guess it's probably a bad thing. Like I've never actually like recorded, you know, one, one special. So I've never really, you know, I've got, uh, let me tell you, I've got some old jokes in the act, right? <laughs> I've, never, I've never officially retired anything. Um, yeah. It makes me think of uh, Seinfeld in that, uh, there was that panel he did. It was, it was, it was like the, you know, the legends of comedy all sitting down. They're sort of giving each other grief over, you know how they build their acts, and Jerry was talking about how he still got Seltzer Blue, Seltzer Gray in his act. He's like, "That's a good joke. It was a good joke twelve years ago, and it's a good joke now." Um, it's true in the sense that, like, if if something's working and you haven't recorded it, there's yeah. no reason to retire it because you can keep you can keep building it, you can keep molding it. I mean, once it's out there, once like you know you've done you've done the Winnipeg Comedy Festival in the past, you've done stuff for CBC. Once it's out there on TV, you know it's a little bit different. You can start slowly retiring it, but even that stuff, I I sometimes bring out if it's uh, if it's uh, feels the need for it. Yeah, for, for for starters, not everybody's seeing all of our stuff. It's 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 nice to think that if you when you have something out there that like every the whole world knows about it, but in fact, most of the world does not know what what we've done, even once we recorded. But like, I've never really recorded anything, and and I, I say I have the same jokes, but they I change them in pieces. Everything I do is very modular, and sometimes it's like, oh, that was an opener for a while, and you move it around in the set, and it gets you know new life. And so I always just feel like I'm sort of just tinkering with little five minute chunks at a time. And things go in and out of the 45. And then even within the 45, I, I've done a joke sometimes the same way for a year. And then you realize like, oh, there's another tag here or just a different, you know, a different angle to take it. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're alive on stage, then you can you can keep working it. And I mean, I've seen you perform live countless times and you are not a comic that uh, feels stale ever. You never yeah, feel repetitive or stale. So it's it's obviously you're doing something right. Uh, but it's interesting what you said about like how not everyone has seen our stuff. And it's kind of like an <laughs> ego thing you have to get over sometimes because I remember I performed at, uh, I won't say which town, but it was a small town in Manitoba. It was at their fair. It was at a big, their whole thing. And I was gonna, I was invited back for another show. It was also outside in the same spot, but uh, hired by a different uh, person. But it was like a month later. So I was like, well, clearly all of these people, it's the same town, same location. <laughs> They've all just saw what I did a month ago. So I'm going to make sure it's completely different. So I started doing, I prepared it and I made sure I found old jokes and different things and made it different. And then I'm going, I'm doing my show about 15, 20 minutes in or whatever. And then I asked the audience, how many by round of applause were at uh, the show I did here last month? Not one person clapped. <laughs> and yeah. I lost it. I was like, are you kidding me? I spent such a long time making sure this show was different from that show and none of you even were at that show. And it was a big eye-opener for me because I realized maybe I don't need to be so uh, picky with this. Yeah, that is kind of crazy in a small town. I've seen I've seen guys, I was, I was just telling somebody this, I, I remember Darren Rose uh, did a show at the Park Theater here and then he did a show in Winnipeg like two years later at Rumors and I was at both shows. I, I opened for him at the Park and I think I just did a guest spot at Rumors but he was doing, at Rumors, all this crowd work. And I was like, man, like I wonder if he's always like this, if that theater show is different. And then at the end he kind of said, yeah, you know, I was worried you guys would remember my stuff. Right? And like he said, were any of you at the park? And like, of course, nobody was. Like, it's a it's a city. It's not like we can find a different two hundred people to fill a room. In the small town, that's kind of weird. But then also in the small town, and I don't. I, this isn't a thing of small town. This is a thing of non comics. Like people, even if they like you, like 
they might watch you for 45 minutes. They might retain one of those jokes. You know, yeah. <laughs> they don't really, if you told it again, they sort of halfway through realize, oh, I might've heard this, but like people are kind of ready to laugh at the same thing. At least, at least the second time, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And this is good timing because here we go. Can you hear that? <laughs> can you hear that in the background there, Mike? Ooh, I, uh, absolutely. I can <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> I am the ghost of comedy past. Today I take you to the first time you realized you were funny. Oh boy. Okay. Oh, wow. The first time you realized you were funny, at least a significant moment. When when was that, Mike? You know, the ghost has brought us. We're both standing here. I I can see what you're seeing, but can you tell the people <laughs> listening what, what they're looking at? What we're looking at? Well, uh, it's a it's a horrible shambling figure, uh, um, draped in chains, and uh, it's 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 uh, it's got a spider body, which is weird because uh, there's no reason for it to have a spider body, but um, <laughs> absolutely Wait. terrifying. I'm not I'm not telling oh, I'm not telling you to describe the ghost. Yes, that is exactly what the ghost looks like. Thank you yeah. for putting that into our lore now, uh, but. Yeah. Uh, officially, that is now the official image of the Ghost of Comedy Past. But what are <laughs> what he brought us to the first time you realized you were funny? Where are we right now? Tell okay. us. To well, describe. I, I was I was stalling because I don't know if there's a specific moment where yeah. I realized like, oh, I'm really. I I do know that I have. I'm the youngest uh, sibling. I had an older brother and an older sister. Okay. But like h- hanging with the older brother and his friends was definitely always you know, the goal. And it became obvious to me pretty quickly that if I was funny, I could overcome, you know, being the little, the, the six year younger brother. Uh, if I just actually brought something to the table joke wise. So were your, were your brother and his friends joking all the time too? I mean, they were, but I feel like I was funnier than them, you know? And I feel like if yeah. I just hung around and could be funny, that was, that. and I have a theory that a lot of comics are younger siblings. And yeah, I am. Yeah, uh, younger by by how much? Four years. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that in in the comedy game, and and, and I, th- I said my brother was six. I think he's actually only five years older than me. But um, it's that it's that gap where like if you you always want to be with your older siblings, they seem cooler and all, and they, they don't want to be with you because you're lame because you're you're a baby uh, as far as they're concerned. And if you can be funny and bring something to the table there, you're definitely, you're more of an asset to the team and they can't kick you out of the room as easily. Yeah. I, I mean, I often joke that I made a career off of a defense mechanism because that's exactly it. You just, you, you feel small in one way or another, whether that's emotionally or physically and you compensate and you say, well, I'm not, I'm not as old as these people. I'm not as cool. I'm not X, Y, Z, but I can do this. I can be funny and that's mm-hmm. and then you just kind of throw yourself into that and then you you end up getting the response that you wanted which is usually at least and then mm-hmm. it just kind of spirals out of control from there yeah and i think a lot of early hue or at least like i don't know if i realized i was funny but i realized i had great recall and i i just think that like i watched a lot of you know the simpsons those early just for laughs uh that would replay on cbc yeah. at five o'clock and five thirty. And uh, just consuming that, and then you just be in situations where you'd, you'd realize, oh, like I can I can bring this joke back, or like you know, like the, those things taught me humor. And yes. then sometimes when you're younger, you, you really just you're kind of just regurgitating a little bit. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think I think that was a young. I kind of realized that I, I remembered a lot of things, and that I was just able to to recall and and, and you know bring back jokes. So I'm I'm still trying to think if there's one moment in class where I like 
got everybody going. I mean, I, I remember from junior high and high school, but I would say I felt funnier before that. But I don't remember if there was a specific moment where I really had my dad cracking up at the dinner table or anything. <laughs> I like this, though. I think this is really good. This moment of trying to, like, kind of fit in with the older sibling and his buddies. I, I, I think I think that's great. And, oh, jeepers. I never get over that sound. Okay. Hang on a sec here, Mike. I am the ghost of comedy present. Answer this. What do you enjoy more? Comedy or producing? Okay, because you're a producer and a comedian. Which one Which one are you digging more right now? Hmm. Well, let me tell you, for starters, this ghost, very good looking, okay? Not desiccated, <laughs> not spider body, well-dressed. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. Yeah, it's important to establish what the ghost looked like. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. I have to, I have to uh, by the way, not to ruin the illusion, I have to write down everything you're saying, because whatever you're saying now is is forever <laughs> yeah, true for the ghost more. so freaking spider body thanks a lot for that yeah. by the way no problem um yeah right now honestly i'm just last year i had a good year for stand-up and for producing like i, I we did the comedy battle royale for five tv um but also like you said i, I had the the just for laugh showcase and and uh and the, the just for laughs uh the, the cbc gem taping and stuff so i mean it was it was a good year for both i i do actually think that right now i would like to produce a little more not that stand-up isn't fun, but the payoff often isn't there with stand-up. Um, just in in terms of like the gigs are more can you can have a great set, but it can be sort of I don't want to say meaningless, but you know it's for the crowd wasn't really there because the show wasn't you know promoted well or it you know you didn't really you ended up doing the best set of your life and it was it was you know for twenty bucks and a drink ticket or something. So, um, so that's really interesting. So has it been like your frustration as a working touring comic that led you to go like okay give me give me the keys i'll do this i'll yeah. drive it, it wasn't the frustration as a working tour it was it was earlier on like i started producing the daughter room like pretty much in the first year that i was doing it it was it was the frustration with yeah lack of just regular quality mics in town um that mm -hmm. that made me really start producing uh and now uh now it's just i've gotten a, look I, I got a taste for the good life you know like that even just producing the <laughs> the, the five tv show very low budget I mean, look, we got a PA. Uh, I sent him to go fetch pens because we were low. But, you know, every other show I've done in my life, I'm putting it on completely myself. And then you realize, like, oh, when you have actual money, there's a team behind you. And I had two great producers. Like, you know, they were on they, – they had the tasks, and I was able to just focus in on the show. Um, how, how many pens? How many – Dozens. Dozens of pens. Good. And just because just you could. Yeah. Could we have got away with one pack? Sure. But I said, just get, grab five, you know? <laughs> we sent that kid We sent that kid to the Dollarama in Osborne Village three times that day, different trips. <laughs> worst, worst place to go in the middle of the day. Um, but just uh, loose ends, you know? Man, um, you, you sound like a producer right now. You know, he's, he <laughs> yeah. should be happy to have this job. There's a lot of kids that would kill for this gig. If it's not exactly. going to be you, it's going to be the young kid right behind you nipping at your heels. Yeah. Paid in exposure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's interesting because you you are such a talented comedian and such a talented producer. So I'm happy the ghost asked this because I, I'm gen I, I was genuinely curious about this too. Yeah, I think a lot of people and it, uh, sometimes I had a bit of insecurity about it because I feel like a little a lot of the time in comedy, if someone is uh, producing and and you just sort of assume oh they're not a good comedian, so they're they're sort of producing they're writing the shows so that they can even be on the shows. Right. Uh, and I never I, I never personally felt like I was never worried internally that that's who I was, but I, I did think to the outside world because I I will often talk about the producing as much as I do the the performing that maybe the outside world is like oh this guy actually maybe isn't that good, but you know if the if the if the outside world thinks that I can't really control it, I'll, I'll I still like doing it. 
I mean, sure, but I mean, you yeah. did just for laughs. You just did just for laughs. I mean, that's the that's one of the biggest signs of approval you can get in the Canadian comedy interest industry, and quite frankly, in the worldwide comedy industry, is being invited to Montreal to perform at that festival. So I think you, uh, I think the world can uh, safely yeah. uh, just take a hint. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got that, cred, but you know that cred is new. I didn't have that cred before th- that last that's year. That's true. So, uh, so now I've got, and so the, you know when I'm talking about that insecurity, that might have been from like sort of the year or two before as I was right. starting to do the battle royale on the road more and stuff. And like, uh, yeah, just, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on producing stuff in, in other cities. Um, you wonder mm-hmm. what's the impression of you as you show up in these other cities, but now you're right now that I've got that credit. It's like, all right, well, I, I know for at least for a couple of years, like I don't have to worry. Anybody's going to doubt me yeah. too much. Yeah. You got, you got two years. <laughs> yeah. I think it is really cool what you're doing too, because, uh, you know, you are a stand-up comedian, so you're producing these shows with a stand-up comedian's mind, so you kind of know what other comedians need, you know what they want, you know how to put on a good show from that perspective, so what you're doing is very unique in that sense, too. You're already established as a comic, and now you're bringing that expertise to the producing world, which is cool, and I'm excited to see what you do next with that. Thanks, and I I do feel that, too. Like, when I've brought comedians in, I, I know that uh, they're getting a better treatment than they are at most other shows because, cause, yeah, nobody treats comics good, but comics, uh, we, we know what we yeah. like. And, you know, so and it's the little things, you know, I'm making sure I book everybody's tickets. Just like there's nothing, there's no better feeling than when you don't have to book anything. You don't have to book your, you just show up and everything's taken care of. Um, yeah. and, the, and the crowd is set up the way you would want it and everything. So I, uh, I, do, I do think that, that it is an asset to be an, an actual com- comedian who's, who's doing shows because, yeah, I know, I know it from both sides. Yeah, and what a good period on that sentence because it is just in time for our third and final visitation. Here we go. I am the ghost of comedy yet to come. What is the one thing you'd miss most if you never did comedy again? Wow. Okay, and that is fitting. I didn't know how you would answer that other question, but that, that is fitting. Because you you know you want to lean more into producing. Let's pretend you gave up stand up entirely, which I hope is not the case. But what is the one thing you'd miss most? You could never do comedy again. Um. Well, I would say it's the hangs. You know, I wonder if I wasn't performing stand up, if I had anything else, if if the comedians would still let me hang with them <laughs> uh, no, after a show no. in the green room. No, I don't we, think no, so. You, I don't and, think so. and I wouldn't want to be there, frankly, <laughs> unless you did a set. I wouldn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, I. I, I'm honestly, joking. I'm, I'm joking. We, of course, of course, in this hypothetical no, world, you know, you know, you have to prove it on stage, and then that's how you earn your way into the green room. Um, yeah. And uh, I, th- I, I literally wrote something to myself the other day. You know, sometimes you go up and down in in terms of uh, you know your mood, and, and especially in this game, especially in the winter. And I was just trying to write stuff, you know, that did feel good about. It. And I was just thinking about like, man, I'm so blessed. Like the the people that I've that I've 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 you know met and worked with and and everything, and just. Um, yeah, the the hangs like it. They they comedians are the funniest people, or at least to comedians, to other comedians. That's that's who you want to hang with, you know. Yeah, it's their the right amount of humor and cynicism, and uh, this t- we've all taken the same lumps or similar lumps at least. So, you know, we know we know that side of it. And uh, yeah, if, if I wasn't doing comedy, I would I would miss uh, going to dim sum with all my all the comedians all the time, and and mm. just hanging pre and post show, and, and and even going through bad shows together. Yeah. Um, you know, those there's those there's a lot of good memories from those, even if it was uh, yeah. a little painful at yeah. the time. I love that. Oh, that's so sentimental. That's so nice, though. But it's so true because I yeah. I, I I was uh, I was a corporate guy. Uh, I started off as corporate right away, and only recently have I really, you know, got over enough insecurities to 
immerse myself in my local comedy scene, you know, and it's just been so incredible because of exactly what you said is the, is the people is the people. Yeah. And I think, and I think that brings us nicely because uh, we're almost at the end and as always, we got to wrap up here by talking about what you feel, Mike, and what I feel as well. The ghosts have revealed to you today. What lesson have they taught you? Well, I guess uh, I said out loud that I like producing uh, right now more than stand up, and that I like uh, you know being with my friends. So I think honestly, I just gotta I gotta focus on on doing things that give me those opportunities. Like the Battle Royale is a fun show because it it has a big cast whenever you do it, and uh, and also I'm trying to write more. Just like I, I wrote, you know, a pilot for. Uh, a show and that could just be a great opportunity to if I got that show made then work with you know bringing it with my buddies or even just like what I'm hoping for is it's a, it's something that you know shows the the industry okay this guy's ready to write I'd love to get in a writer's room you know writer's room yeah. is, would just be great just to hang with hang with other funny people work really hard on comedy and then go for lunch yeah and you know what's what's really interesting is that that really does seem to be your superpower because like the the first time you were funny was when you were trying to be funny to bring yourself into a group that you didn't yeah. that you quite frankly you didn't belong in that group he's an older brother these are older kids what's this little squirt doing hanging around here but you used comedy to bring yourself in to that circle you want to produce more and one of the reasons why you want to produce more is because you want to treat people well you love uh, those kind of connections you know what they like you know you want to make these shows with other people and the thing you'd miss most about comedy was the people your superpower mike green is your love of human beings and using comedy to kind of bring people together and to bring yourself into their world and and in thus uh, the same way bringing them into your world and i think that's really really cool damn it matt you cracked it you, you done it again you cracked the goddamn code um i think this show is just an excuse for you to do therapy you want to you want to be a therapist is really what this comes down to <laughs> You know what? I would consider shifting over from stand-up to therapy just for the health benefits at this point. <laughs> okay, where do people find you, Mike Green? How do they find you on the interwebs? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, that's the one platform that I've chosen to throw all my eggs into. I refuse yeah. to, to start doing anything else. Uh, so I'm on Instagram uh, at MikeGreen.OnlyFans, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which is a joke I used to close my shows. And uh, it's, uh, so now, now I'm locked <laughs> into it. I can't change handles now. Uh, so yeah, Mike Green dot OnlyFans, and uh, yeah, I still I still do the Handsome Daughter on Thursdays if I'm in town. Yeah. I like seeing the new comics going up and and just seeing who's coming up and who's working on jokes. So yeah, and I also want to say if there's any stand-ups out there looking for a show produced, Mike would be a wonderful person to reach out to about that. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And thank you to the ghosts of comedy past, present, and future. And thank you, most of all, to all of you for listening. And please, I'm begging you, would you do us a favor on your favorite podcast provider? Would you consider leaving us a review? subscribing to us it would mean the absolute world to us thank you so much i'm matt falk until next time god bless us everyone